Good morning, Real Life Church. Please take your seats. If you own a Bible and have got a Bible on your phone or whatever, please grab it. If not, I'm going to read it to you, so please don't worry if you don't own one. I'm Melanie, if we haven't met yet. I'm married to Stuart, and together we moved here to start this beautiful church that we call Real Life. I'm a mummy. I've got two little boys, Levi and Ash, five and seven. Uh, I work for this local church. I look after the 0 to 18s and I look after what we do in the community. So anything that we do where we're being good to our community, that's what I look after. It's my absolute pleasure to speak here today. Um, I love baptism meetings and, and I love that we've got some extra people in the room. I know we've got some people here who are coming for the baptisms, but also some people who are on our Alpha course at the moment who've come along just to have a look at what church is like. So whether you've been here a million times or this is your first time, you're so welcome. I'm going to ask you to do something slightly uncomfortable right at the outset of my preach, which most people would say don't do, it's a big no-no. But if you are in education or have been in education, so you're currently a teacher or you were a teacher, so maybe you've retired or you're a mummy at the moment, or you work and you serve in education, so you work within a school, you're a TA or a lunchtime supervisor or something, could I just ask you to stand quickly for me? So if you work in education, please stand. Oh, man, you're a lovely lot. I wanted to say this morning, right at the outset, because it'll make sense. Thank you so much. Stay standing, please. Don't be embarrassed. Don't lose your strength in your legs. I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, Bev, why are you not standing? Come on. All right, you can stay sitting, but Bev also, just raise your hand like that, Bev, wave. That's it. Bev is also in education. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for spending yourselves on behalf of the young. I wanted to say thank you for not doing it for the mega bucks, but doing it because you genuinely care about kids and their welfare and their well-being. And I want to say thank you for doing it and sometimes not even getting the credit that you're well deserved. I want to say thank you. See, teachers, you can sit down now, as far as I'm concerned, are pretty amazing people. And I get to see two teachers, two TAs, and a whole school function because now both my kids are in school. And it's an amazing thing to me to see. So if you are around teachers, Please cheer them on. Please encourage them. Please tell them they're doing a great job. I've got two reasons for that. The first one is because actually they need your encouragement. It's like breath. It breathes into them and it gives life to them. Secondly, they're looking after the most precious things you've ever made. Therefore, your encouragement helps them look after your kids better. It's a little bit like if you go to the hairdressers and criticize your haircut, you have to remember the person has scissors and your hair in their hands. So you kind of find yourself going, even if you've had the most disastrous haircut, you find yourself going, oh yes, thank you for that, that looks lovely, because you don't dare say, actually I hate it, because what are they going to do? They're going to get their scissors out and go at your hair again, so... With our teachers, I'd love you to encourage them. Asher was at school only for a few weeks and he came home one day, was trying to tell me something and obviously maybe I was on my phone or I was distracted, I don't know what was going on, but I wasn't listening. So he looked at me and he stood back and he went, are you listening? 
And I, and I kind of went, what? And he said, mummy, you need to say, yes, we are. And I said, oh, okay then. Uh, yes, we are. And then I must have carried on doing whatever I was doing because he said, no, no, mummy, you need to actually listen to me. I was like, okay. So we joke about this in our house. It's like whenever Asha goes, are we listening? We all have to kind of freeze and go, yes, we are. And I've been into school and I've seen them do this magic thing where 30 kids are all making a noise and doing whatever. And the teacher will just stand and go, are we? And then suddenly all these kids like freeze, put down what they're doing and sit down on the floor and go, yes, we are. It's the most amazing thing. It is like some kind of magical power in the room. What I want to ask you today is, are you listening? Yes. <laughs> Did you like that? Oh, we li- I didn't even have to do the class. Asha was telling me now in his classroom, his teacher just goes like that. So she doesn't even say, are we listening? She just goes... And they all go, yes, we are, because they're so trained. I've been trying it at home. It just doesn't work at all. It only works if they're doing it to me. So are we listening? Have we got our listening ears with us this morning? I think God's got a few things to say to us. And whether you've heard God before or never heard him before, it makes no difference. God is a speaking God. He loves to engage with people. He loves to get to know people. He loves to be in relationship with people. So whether you've come here today and you're well used to hearing from God and you think, oh yeah, I'm I'm ready for that, or whether you've never heard that actually he's a speaking God, I want you to hear this morning that he's got something to say to you. For Haley and for Preetha, I feel like he's got something really special to say to you today because in being baptised, You've answered the question really loudly. Are you listening? You've said, yes, we are. I think even Preetha said, actually, I'm going to do this out of obedience. And Haley, I'm going to do this. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to do this because he's asked me to do this. So when God has said in his word, are you listening, Preetha? She's answered by saying, yes, I am. And when God says to Haley, are you listening? She's answered with her life by saying, yes, I am. So I'm going to whiz you through a few things in the Bible and I'm going to pull out some little questions to probably send you away with, to get you to think on, to get you to wonder about. What I know of God is that he loves to communicate and that right from the beginning of the Bible and right at the end of the Bible and every page in between, he's speaking if you're listening. So it's the same as Asher. You can't just say, yes, I am. You have to actually stop. You have to actually listen. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to read from the first page in the Bible, which is Genesis, the story of creation. And I'm going to read a couple of verses. So one, two, five, I'm going to read. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and he called the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. 
This is kind of the origin stories. You know, if you watch superhero stuff now, there's loads of movies out about the origin stories. This is the origin story of the people of God. This is the origin story of creation. And this is where God said it began. And, and I don't know, you might be sitting there thinking, I've got a scientific mind on me, and I'm thinking that it began a little something like this. Let me tell you that the Bible is very clear that everything came into being because God said so. Everything that exists, exists because he holds it in his hands and everything that is made is made by him. And you can find a million Christians that will argue over how it was made. We're not going to talk about that today. We're just going to say it was made by him and for him. And that's what creation says. You see, God's voice is powerful, and all the way through the Bible, this is called the Word of God, the Bible, God is speaking. So whenever you open your Bible, he's got something to say to you, something he wants to communicate to you. His voice creates stuff out of nothing. And if you've ever had, if you've ever been pregnant and had them take that photo of your baby inside of you, it is like utterly mind-blowing that something the size of your fingernail already has everything within it to become a person. I keep my scan photos up inside my breakfast cupboard because every time I open it in the morning, when they're yelling at me, where are my Cheerios? Or they're having a meltdown over whatever, I want to remind myself how miraculous it is that they're even running around yelling at me, where are my Cheerios? I want to remind myself how amazing it is that out of a man and a woman coming together, God made people. Like, it's totally breathtaking. The boys love seeing those photos. They always say, is that me when I was a baby? Bless them, they've got like no skin. They're just like this weird like blob on a scan photo. I say, yeah, that is you. And they say, that's amazing. I say, yeah, that's how God put you together inside of mummy. It's amazing what God does. He creates out of nothing. He's supreme over all creation. He's in charge of all things. Some of you need to know that this morning. You need to know that basically you were brought into being by someone, that you weren't an accident or you weren't, you know, a forget-me-not contraception night. You were planned. You were purposed. You were brought about. That someone brought you into being. Actually, the very fact that you draw breath is because God is holding all things in creation in his hands. Some of you need to know that this morning. Some of you feel like you're walking around in darkness and you're in that, that bit in your life where it just feels like, what is going on here? Some of you need to know that day comes after night. Some of you need to know that with a word, God turns on the lights. And sometimes you can be in quite dark places and God still be very present and very there. You see, because God allows darkness and he allows light. And sometimes we're walking around in the dark and we're thinking, where are you, God? What's going on? How come when I most need you, it feels like I'm swallowed up by darkness? And all I want is light. You need to hear that light, that day comes after night. That light comes after darkness. Some of you feel like life is a little out of control. And you just feel like, I just don't know what's going on. It all seems to be spinning. It seems to be chaos. 
Some of you need to hear that there's an order with God. On the first day, he brought around day and night. Then came the sea. Then came the plants, the birds, the fishes, the animals. Ultimately came human beings. There was an order in creation. There's never chaos in God. There's always order. Even if you feel like I'm in the bit where just everything's kicking off, there's order in God. Some of you need to hear that today. You need to know that he's a God of design and a God of order. And quite frankly, you could go home now because actually what you need to know is within your darkness, within your night, within your chaos, God is there and God is still in control. And it isn't a case of, oh, if I just believe that, it's the truth. That he is always holding all things in creation under him. He's holding all things together. He's supreme over everything. The next thing I want you to turn to is in Luke. It's Luke 3, 21 to 22. If you don't have a Bible, it's fine. There are brilliant apps that you can get on your phone to to read your Bible, or you can have an actual Bible. If not, I can read it to you. So Luke 3, 21 to 22, it's at the baptism of Jesus. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you're my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. When God speaks, he brings order. When God speaks, he brings light. When God speaks, he brings day after night. And when God speaks, he brings belonging. At the baptism of Jesus, what we've had up until this point is is Jesus who's grown up with Mary and Joseph. So he's been a carpenter's son. He's learned the trade. He's, He's been in the temple. He's been learning. He's been growing But there aren't many people that think he's the Messiah at this point. There aren't many people who think he's come to save people from their sins. There aren't many people who think this king that the Bible's been talking about, that we've all been waiting for, here he is. There aren't many people that think that yet. The baptism of Jesus is a moment. It's a moment where Jesus kind of walks in on the scene And loads of people are there, and he gets baptized by John. And John is confused. John is thinking, why am I baptizing? He knows exactly who he is. He's thinking, why am I baptizing Jesus? Like, like, what's gone on there? Why am I doing that task? And Jesus says, this is necessary. Baptize me. And as he's baptized, it says a voice comes from heaven that says, this is my son. So there's real ownership over him. It's God's, God's voice spoken that everybody hears, that everyone is going, what's that? This is my son, and he brings me great joy. Or some translations say, with him I am well pleased. This is my son. Something happens at baptism, I think, where God says, you're mine. So you don't just, Haley and Pretha didn't just get up here to say and say, I'm yours. God also speaks back, you're mine. And we didn't hear an actual audible voice, did we? Shame. I was hoping for that. You know, if there was like a tearing open of heaven and God just shouted down over Haley, you're my daughter, and Pretha, you're my daughter with you, I'm well pleased. 
But you get that in the spirit. You get that sense when you become a Christian that I belong to God, that he is mine and I am his. The Bible says that's something that the Holy Spirit does in your life. It, it, it seals you so that you know you're children of God. I say sometimes when the Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door, I'm never rude to them. I, I always say hello. And, but I say to them, you could never convince me that what I believe is not right. And, and often they'll say to me, why is that? And I'll say, because I'm a child of God. The same as you could never convince my boys that I'm not their mummy. Like they're, they're, they belong to us. They know that. There's something in them that knows that. I know that I belong to God. I know that I'm a child of God. There's a security there. There's a hope there. Because I have heard that voice say, you're mine, when I said, I'm yours. There's something that brings security in God. The Bible's full of truth about who you actually are. The Bible's full of phrases, words, things that describe who you are and what you are to be. And I think the world throws at you all sorts of things. You'll walk around, you'll go to work, you'll go, and people will say things like, you'll never amount to anything, you won't make it, you're not good enough, you can't do that. And oftentimes, all we need to do is go back to this. We need to go back to what our God says about us. And he says, you belong, you fit. In me, you've got what it takes. You're enough. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're loved always. You're known. That's been a word for me that has been like really important. God has said to me over and over again, you're known. Like wherever you go, even if you are misunderstood or people don't get you or don't understand you, you are known by the almighty one. By the one who put the stars in place, by the one who set the world in motion, you are known by him. Some of you haven't heard good news for a while. Some of you haven't heard that. So you might be a Christian sitting here and you're thinking, man, it's been ages since I've really got before God and I felt him say, you're mine. You're known, you're loved, you belong Some of you even today have been this week thinking, I feel out of place. I don't know where I fit. I don't know what's going on. And I feel like God would say in the loudest voice he could muster up, you fit here. You fit in me. You fit in my purposes. You fit in my plans. Some of you even at work this week have heard people say, you're no good. You're not doing a good enough job. You're not getting enough done. You're not enough. And we have to go back to a place where God says, you're mine and you bring me great joy. I make sure my kids know before they go into school, before they've done anything, before they've achieved or not achieved, that they are so loved. That now Levi started like going, oh, mummy, get off me. He's like in junior school now. It's so not cool. But I grab them and I pull them in close and I say to them, you are so loved. You so belong here. Mummy is so pleased with you. And then I send them in. Because I want that to be the resounding message that they hear. Regardless of whether they succeed or fail, I want them to know they are so loved. I want them to know that they belong here. I personally believe it's the best way to motivate them 
It will be the best way to get the best out of them. I don't believe that if you knock and tear people down, you will get a better person out of it. I think what rises up here often isn't nice. I think what rises up when we feel loved, secure and safe is amazing. So maybe some of you just need to hear that today, that you're loved by an almighty God, that you have an opportunity because of what Jesus did on the cross to belong to him, to be a child of God, to be known, to be at peace, to have belonging, to not crave for other people's affirmation, but to find it all in the one who has it all. And then I'd like you to turn to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And I'm going to read that out. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And it says this, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, God's voice brings order and it brings day after night and it brings light out of darkness. God's voice brings belonging. You actually can say, I'm a child of God and you can function out of that. It gives you a sense of being. But God's voice also brings purpose. So you're not supposed to just be a Christian and sit around going, I'm so loved, I'm so adored, it's so amazing. Let's shut up shop, let's go home. That's supposed to propel us. That's supposed to drive us forward. That's supposed to make us feel like we have the greatest treasure on earth. Why would I want to keep it to myself? And God knows that about us. He made us like that. It's why we're driven to want to succeed in our careers and be the best mum and dad and be the best friend. There's something in us that longs for meaning and purpose. There's something in us that wants to do a good job. There's something instinctively in us that doesn't want to just settle, that wants to feel like I'm going to get to the end of my life and know that what I've spent my life doing matters. No one wants to get to the end, do they, and think, oh man, well that was pretty much a waste of time. When I feel like we get to the end, I want to look around at the end, at my kids, my grandkids, my whatever's running all over the place. I want to look around and know that I've spent my life doing the things that matter. I want to see Real Life Church outgrow this building and outgrow another one and another one. I want to see us, see people come to know Jesus in real and amazing ways. I want more Haley stories and more Pretha stories. I want more stories of men and women who find themselves in God, find their place and then run. Because something in me knows that there must be more to life than just this. There must be more. Therefore, I I want it. And Jesus knows that, so he gives us purpose. He says to us, go and make disciples. Make sure they're baptized. Make sure they're taught well. Make sure that they can flourish, they can function. We're going to teach our boys all sorts of things. Three things we will most definitely teach them. One, they need to learn to drive. So our kids will leave home driving, most definitely. 
Secondly, I want them both to be able to cook. I want them to be the kind of men that can just say, come round and I am cooking up a storm. So I'm going to teach them to cook a mean roast dinner and cake. And I just, when they get married, I want them to be able to say to their wives, take the night off, I've got the kitchen covered. And I want their wives to go, oh man, thank you. And then thirdly, I want them to swim. So that, you know, if they fall out of a boat or whatever, they're not going to drown. I want them to be able to swim. And so these are, these are some things that we've got on our little dream page of things that I most want them to experience. Do you know what? God is a dad and he most wants us to experience the things that he is good at. So he invites us in. He says, join me in the stuff that I'm really good at. I'm really good at saving people. I'm really good at training people. I'm really good at loving people. I'm really good at helping people get free. I'm really good at restoring broken things. I'm really good at healing. Join me. And he wants to train us. He wants to teach us. He wants to take us on this journey. Not because he wants to work us hard, but because he knows the stuff that will bring us the most meaning, the most purpose, the most joy. So we don't do this stuff because we have to. It is our absolute pleasure to lead Real Life Church and do what we do because we get to partner up with God in doing the things that he most loves. It is an absolute honor to stand with him on mission. And I think sometimes as Christians, we, we just get that a little bit out of sync. Think, well, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do the other. We are saved and we are disciples in order that we would make more. In order that we would make more of ourselves. If not, God would just whiz you straight home. We're still on the earth because there are people who need to know that there is a God who loves them, that there is a God who died for them, and there is a God who is desperate to be in relationship with them. Therefore, we will just keep on doing what we're doing. So maybe this morning you needed to hear that in your chaos, in your darkness, in your night, God's bringing day and God will bring light. And in your darkness and in your chaos and in your night, he is still there. He is still very much present and very much holding what is going on. He holds both night and day, both light and darkness. He holds all things in being. And maybe you need to hear that you belong somewhere, that you fit, that there is a God who knows your name and understands you better than you understand yourself. Maybe you need to hear that you are loved, that you are known, that God himself sees you and understands you. Or maybe you need purpose and direction. You're feeling a bit like, Man, I, like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life or myself. Get on with his stuff. Get on with making disciples. Get on with loving people. Get on with feeding the poor. Get on with his stuff. And I promise you, it will be a life well spent. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to sing and celebrate. I do want us to pray for Haley and Pretha. I think the decision that you women have made this morning is an amazing decision. What I want to say to you is keep on being that bold and that brave with your Jesus. Keep on being vulnerable. Keep on being 
week before him, keep on expecting him to lift you up and take you further. I feel like today what you did was you put a stake in the ground and you're saying, I'm yours, you're mine. And I think this is just the beginning for both of you. Even though this has been a journey of years, I think this is a beginning point where God is saying, okay, let's see what we can do now. Baptism is a little bit like we've taken the stabilizers off a bike. Now we get to see where we're really going to go. So I'm excited for you guys, and I want to make sure we get to pray for you. So let's stand. Let's worship our beautiful Jesus.